0: listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Welcome everybody to The Mission. If you haven't been here before, um, my name is Mark and if you have been here before, you guys know that we've been talking about dreams over the past uh, Past few weeks and uh, our God-sized dreams that that God has uniquely placed in our heart to kind of build build us up and to also see, help, help us see outside of ourselves. And uh, those of you don't know me, you know, you're probably wondering what what happened here if you haven't seen me on Facebook or anything. I'm I'm part of the preaching team, but um, but I but I broke my hand like three three weeks ago and. You know, I had, I had to do it right. I just like exploded my fifth metacarpal into four or five pieces. No, if you don't know me, I'm a doctor, and, and so I went to the doctor's office myself. Actually, Jason took me in the middle of the night. Um, and it's a kind of a funny story, but by, by the grace of God, and thank you to all of you who have been praying for me. Um, you know, I'm playing piano today, so uh, that was pretty cool, except that. Um, I can only like use two fingers on my left hand and I think that actually probably made me a better piano player because I'm less notes to play wrong. So, um, um, but anyways, I'm, I'm really thankful to be here and thankful for all of you being here as well. So again, we've been talking about dreams and, and I, actually this broken hand, it, it really started as a dream. Um, and I thought it was a God-sized dream, but Ricardo last week was talking about how do you discern what's a God-sized dream and what's a uh, you know kind of like our own human dream. And I think this is probably not a God-sized dream, but I'm going to go with it was a God-sized dream. Because I, I actually, um, we've, been, we've been camping a lot. We had this camping trip planned like two weeks ago, and I'd been thinking about it for months, and I was all excited about it. But we have a, a baby girl. She's two. She's not a baby anymore, but she's potty training. And actually, if you've ever tried camping um, without a bathroom that's clean, I thought that a you know a camping trailer would be a god-sized dream for us because it'd have a clean um, you know bathroom. So that was actually you know I spent a lot of time researching. In I was like, yeah, we're gonna get this right. And um, after a lot of thought and prayer and talking to Adrienne, um, we were like, yeah, let's let's just let's go for this. We're gonna buy a trailer, and. Uh, Anyways, I get the trailer home, and I back it in, and I can't get it disconnected from my, my SUV, and it was just a big mess, and I, and I bent the trailer jack, okay, and I, you guys don't probably know about a trailer, I didn't know about a trailer jack, I'm not one of those kind of guys, like, if you need something, like, finely sewn up, or you need a, something lanced, I'm your guy, I'm, like, really good with fine motor skills, and, um, but apparently I'm not very good with big muscles, or things that require power tools, and also probably a brain, um, that was what I found out. Um, So, uh, you know, my dad, he's back in the back. He can pretty much fix anything. And um, in my life, I've kind of always just relied on my dad to help me with this stuff, but um, I couldn't wait. Um, He was busy that day, and I was like, I'm just going to get this figured out. So anyways, I wasn't patient enough that day. And uh, this is a funny story because there's some Brian and Amy here. I I think they know they were part of this story. So anyways... um, the next night, so I bent this trailer jack. The next night, I come home. I'm all excited to get this thing fixed. And so I try and... First of all, I had to get the, my trailer out of the middle of the driveway. And so I'm like connecting it back up and pushing it back in or backing it up into this parking spot. And uh, I can't get it disconnected again. And that's when... Brian and Amy came uh, came riding up on their bikes. I'm like, "Hey guys, how's it going? What's up?" And I'm sitting there going like mortified, like, "Oh man, I don't want to doing here. This is really awkward." Um, "Hey guys, how are you? Uh, yeah, so what?" And and so thankfully Brian's one of those guys that again actually he's also um, part of our building and grounds team, and and so he's he's handy as well. And he's like, "Yeah, let me just help you out here." He Just clicks it off. I'm I, you know he gets it off, and I'm thinking I probably God was probably telling me something right about that. You guys were God's timing to say, stop doing this, you don't know what you're doing. But I I wasn't ready to uh, listen to that. Um, So anyhow, thank you, Brian and Amy, for coming by and trying to save me from myself. But um, I decided on my own in the middle of the night, or it wasn't really night, it was like nine o'clock. Yeah, it was night. Um, It was dark. And I thought, you know, I got to change this thing because I don't know, I I can handle this. Anyways, I changed, I start jacking this thing up with my car jack and I lean on the edge of the trailer and the whole trailer comes and blasts my hand. And I was going to show you a picture, but I didn't want people vomiting. So if you've seen it, you can go to Facebook. It's pretty ugly. It was like three times the size. Um, it was bad. It was painful. And I had to kind of suffer the consequences of me wanting to be, being impatient and wanting to do something in the middle of the night without, without uh, you know, the experts around. So... Um, you know, I had a, I had a dream, and, and it wasn't really a Martin Luther King type dream. <laughs> but it was a dream nonetheless. And, you know, again, I, I, it's kind of funny because I hadn't thought I was going to tell you that story, but it kind of fits with what we're going to talk about today. Because I have a lot of dreams. I have dreams for my family, I have dreams for my community, I have dreams for my job, I have dreams for this church. And,. And some of them are God-sized dreams. They're huge dreams that God needs to show up for, that I need God's help for. And you may say that I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. <laughs> I knew that Jason would laugh about that. It's a John Lennon song. And it's really not much about God-sized dreams, but, but I'm not the only one that has those dreams. You all have these God-sized dreams in your heart too. Even if you're, you're not a Christ follower, even if you're not a church person, There's a dream inside your heart that God's placed there for you. And today we're going to talk about how we can sometimes short-circuit those dreams, sometimes get in the way. These dreams, they're, they're those dreams that you just can't shake. Those dreams that keep you motivated to pursue God, no matter what, to pursue God's plan in your life, regardless of the circumstances. See, I, I think that people were born to have a dream to fulfill, for God's purpose. That's what God put us on this planet for. And He's put that burden in each of us to begin you to, to draw you closer to Him, to depend on Him, to reach your full potential through Jesus Christ. And so we, as we've talked about in this series, each of us has this dream that's unique to us that God is trying to reveal to us as Ricardo talked about last week. And really our job is to steward those dreams to fulfillment. And fulfilling those dreams is really what Brian is going to talk about next week. So um, Brian's part of this story that I had and Brian's going to be preaching next week so you guys don't want to miss that. You know, it's, the, it's this God that created the universe who built like molecules and atoms. He's the one that gets to weave this dream throughout our lives and, and it's, makes it make it into reality. This is an amazing story that we get to tell. And it takes us taking action and it also takes God's provision. And that's the thing that Jason talked about in terms of these dreams. They're not just something that you could do on your own. They're something that God's put in your heart that you need God for. So again, we're going to talk today about how to avoid the pitfalls, how to avoid the dream killers that so often lead us to missing out on the fullness of that dream. How can we avoid some of the human nature, the human nature pitfalls that, you know, start as an amazing dream, but in the end they kind of leave us staring at our hand, a bloody mess that's all swollen up in pain and embarrassment. So in the first sermon of the series, we talked about the story of Abram and Sarai, and then they turned into Abraham and Sarah, and I don't understand that always either, I get them confused, but Abram and Sarai were initially the names, so we'll, talk, we'll start with that, and if I mix up Abraham and Sarah, I'm so sorry, I'm, I'm working on it. But if you didn't hear the sermon that Jason preached about the whole story um, I want you to go back and listen to it on the themissionredlands.com or on you know, iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts on the interwebs. Um, because Jason did a, did a wonderful job of really giving us the whole context of this amazing story. And I'm not going to re, reread it. But the story in a nutshell is that God placed a dream in Abram's heart. And that his family would become a great nation and inhabit the promised land. And I'm going to read from Genesis Chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, is this kind of the promise that God gives Abraham initially, Abram initially. So the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And see, that's the beginning of the story of Abram. But there's a lot more to the story. And in the end of the story, despite all the odds against them, I mean, Abram has Sarai, who's a barren 90-year-old woman. And Abram's 100 years old. And there's a bunch of plot twists. And I'm going to give you the spoiler alert. Father Abraham had many sons. And many sons had Father Abraham. And I'm one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Right hand, left hand. That was like Christian hokey pokey when I was, I mean, you know, when I was a kid. And so I still wanted to say it because Jason said it. And I love that song. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, you would never had the pleasure of having a 75-year-old lady teaching you that song. <laughs> with the flannel graphs and, uh, yeah, don't worry, you didn't miss much. Um, but, it, but it is a song that I loved when I was a kid. But the point of that song is that Abraham had this dream from God put in his heart. And despite all the ways that he tried to mess it up, in the end, we're all here. And and, and the Savior of the world was born because Father Abraham had many sons. And it wasn't Abraham's plan. It was God's plan to redeem the world. What you don't hear in the song is how fearful... And impatient and sometimes sinful Abraham and Sarah were throughout that process. Throughout the process of God fulfilling this dream in their lives. You see, they were a lot like you and I in that way. So today we're going to focus on the two places in the story. And there's more than that. But I'm going to focus on two spots in this story where Abraham and Sarah um, dream. Their dream almost became derailed. And uh, so let's start with Genesis 12, verses 10 through 12. So now, there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said this to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they're going to say, this is his wife, then they will kill me, but they will let you live. So right after that big vision just, just, just a few verses before that we just heard this big vision that God said I'm going to bless you and it's going to be, you're going to have this great nation. A few minutes later in the story, in a, maybe a few months later in the, in the story something changes. There's a famine. Have you ever had in your life a famine in your circumstances? You, you have this dream that God's put in your heart, you believe it. It's what's God's plan for you and yet the circumstances change, and the famine hits, and what's your first response? I don't know about you, but my first response is always the what ifs. And then when I broke my hand, I, I, I said, you know, what if I can't work? What if I lose my job? What, what if I lose my house? Well, at least I have a trailer, but I, I mean. <laughs> what if my kids get sick? What, I mean, I, I, you start telling the story to yourself about the what ifs. <laughs> And it's just this fear and this unbelief because Abram's going through this, this trial, this, this famine in his life, but, but it's not God's plan. God's plan is not for him to have all these, thing, these repercussions happen. He just tells himself this story. He's like, baby, you're so beautiful. Wow, what if, oh no, what if Pharaoh says, sees, you're gonna, sees how beautiful you are? He's going to kill me and then I'm going to, Lose this wonderful dream that God put in my... I mean, you know, I, and he starts, like, ignoring the fact that God was the one that put that dream in his heart. He doesn't, have to, he doesn't have to worry about the what-ifs. <laughs> but, you know, as normal humans we are, Abraham continues in this way. He starts thinking about the fear, and he starts devising a wonderful plan. It's almost as smart as changing a trailer jack in the middle of the night. But I'm going I'm to go to the next verse here, 12... And 12 verse 13 it says this say you're my sister <laughs> so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you that's brilliant let's let's just lie to the king of Egypt that sounds like a smart plan and see how that works out for us and and I'm not sure what what's going on with Abram but you know he's he seemed like he had a good plan to himself he thought it was great so let's keep going in verse 14, it says this, When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarah was very beautiful. See, God, I told you that they thought she was beautiful. And then Pharaoh's, Egyptian, I mean, Pharaoh's official saw her. They praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken to, to his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle and male and female donkeys, male and female servants and, and camels. I mean, camels? He got camels for this. It's great. But then the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. See, God had a plan. And Abram's, you know, way of getting in the way wasn't going to change the fact that God had a plan. So Pharaoh summoned Abram and he says this, what have you done to me? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why didn't you just say so? Why did you say she's my sister so that I, can, that I took her to be my wife? And now then, Here's your wife. Take her and get out of here. Take her and go. I love Pharaoh's response. He was like, why didn't you just say so? Why didn't you just tell me? Anyways. So this human plan to get away from, you know, kind of the circumstances of the famine, it all gets found out. It all gets exposed. And yet, God still has this plan for Abram and Sarah. And Pharaoh gave orders in, the, in verse 20. He says this, Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. It's kind of like this detour didn't have to happen. But God still had a plan. So despite the fact that Abram was afraid. And at the time he didn't believe God meant what he said because if he believed it, he would have just allowed, allowed God to work in the situation. Because it wasn't Abram's plan that it was important. It was, it was God's plan through Abraham that mattered. And we often, I don't know, I do, let our f- dreams kind of slip away because of fear and unbelief. And we see circumstances which make God-sized dreams just seem impossible. And then when we see that, we get scared. And we don't believe it and we will let it slip away from us. But see, God's been God for a while. (laughs) He's been God for a long time, and he actually is pretty good at it. And I think sometimes, you know, it's just our own pride that thinks that we can make this work. But God is a good God, and he has a plan for your life. And we just don't want to get in the way we got to believe it. So another way that this story continues, as it plays out, you start continuing to see things that, that get in the way of the God-sized dream is another thing that, that I, I'm, I'm terrible at. It's impatience. And it's kind of understandable in this story. I, I think this is something that most of us struggle with is, is impatience. You know, in this story, Abraham and Sarah Abram and Sarai at the time, they were old. Like I'm old, I got I'm losing my hair and my wife is still young. She's like twenty nine. She's gonna be twenty nine for a long time. Um, but I don't even think, you know, at my age that we could continue to have kids. I can't imagine being seventy five or, you know, like great grandparent old and, and still thinking I needed to have kids. And it would seem natural to get kind of anxious or, like, impatient, frustrated with God. Because, you know, you focus on the dream that he put in your heart and you, you almost, like, idolize it. I know for some of the God-sized dreams that I have, they can become an idol. Like, I, I, I want to serve the dream more than I want to serve the God who is the author and creator of that dream. And sometimes our, our, our perception of time just gets messed up because God, he sees the beginning of a dream and he sees where it's ending and he sees all the messes that we make in between, but he sees it all at once. He knows, he knows what needs to happen. And we know that all of this is gonna happen in his timing. And we need to surrender our time frame to God's perfect timing. And there's, there's, this, there's this verse that comes to mind when I think about this. It's written by Paul. And Paul is the author of most of the New Testament. You guys, most of you know that who that is. But he wrote this letter to the Jesus followers, followers in Philippi. He talked about God's timing. And it's one of those passages in the Bible that we memorize, a lot of us memorize. If you bring your kids to Adventure Club by Awana, they're going to learn this verse, I promise. It's awesome. It's in Philippians, verses, uh, Philippians 1, verses 4 through 6. He writes this encouragement to the Philippian church. He says this, I always pray with joy because of, our part, of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this. Being confident of this. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I mean, isn't that perfect timing that God has for our plans? We don't need to be impatient. See, we don't need to worry about God's timing. He's got that figured out. See, we need to worry about stewarding and fostering that dream to completion. And when we feel fear, and when we don't truly believe or have faith in God's plan, and when we feel like we're running out of time, it so often leads to sin. And, and that word's kind of kind of ugly and sometimes misunderstood, but, but we do the very things that we know aren't part of God's plan in order to get what we want faster or to get our way or to do it in our time. That's what sin is. It's us trying to mess things up. It's us getting in the way. It leads to us shortcutting our dreams. And in Genesis chapter 16, Jason mentioned it already, but in chapter 16, we read the story of Hagar and Ishmael. And if you don't know this story, I'm not going to read the whole chapter to you, but I want to get us out of here sometime soon. Um, but you've got to keep in mind God gave, him, gave Abram this dream that he would become a great nation like 10 years prior to this, this part of the story. So now Abram's like 85 or 86 years old, and it doesn't look good like on the baby-making front. He's <laughs> like, this is not working out, man. So once again, Abram and Sarai devised devise this brilliant plan. It's, this time it's for Abram to get Sarai's servant Hagar pregnant, which I'm sure seemed like a great plan for Abram. Um, but I can't imagine that really working out well. Um, it, it, it kind of like feels like uh, real housewives of Canaan or something. It's really weird. Um, and of course, once, once this all was said and done, Hagar's feeling awkward and Sarai's all angry and it's, it didn't, it's not going well. In this mess that was brought on by the sin and unbelief in, in their lives... It's crazy because God still works through it. Let's let's look at Genesis 16, verses 9 through 13. And this is the Lord speaking to Hagar. He says this, Then the angel of the Lord told her, Go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her this, You are now pregnant. And you will give birth to a son you shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard of your misery he will be a wild donkey of a man his hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him and he will live in hostility towards all his brothers this guy sounds like an awesome dude um, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her you are the God who sees me you see me even in all this pain and sin that, I've, that we've all created you see me And I have now seen the one who sees me. Even in the midst of our own sinful messes, in the midst of our own Ishmaels, God is redeeming our story for his purpose. We all still pay the human consequences of sin. We all still pay the human consequences of messing up. Our Ishmaels are real. They're real. (laughs) Some of us have more Ishmaels than others. Um, Some of our sin is obvious. Some of it's kind of hidden away and quiet. Some of our shortcuts to God-sized dreams, they hurt other people. And some of them just simply eat away at us. And I think it's fitting that in the next chapter... It begins the story of this covenant, this agreement that God begins with Abraham and Sarah. And he starts by giving them new names. They just have made this big mess of it, tried to do it all on their own. They have a kid that's not the plan. And God says, I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to give you a new identity. You no longer are Abram and Sarah, you're Abraham and Sarah. And then he began pointing them to a faith-filled story which culminates years later in the story of Jesus. While we're still messing up, while we are still sinners, God still had Isaac in mind. And while we're still sinners... God has Jesus in mind for you. And while we may not be able to see it, the beautiful fulfillment of the God-sized dreams in our life are there for the taking. And next week, Brian's going to talk about how God fulfills our dreams. And you're not going to want to miss it. But I hope in this series, and if you haven't been with us, go back and listen to it. Or if you've been listening to me today, I hope there's something that's stirred in your heart. I I hope you've thought about it and and start praying about these God-sized dreams that God is calling you to fulfill. Maybe you're in the midst of your God-sized dream right now and and you're messing it up. Maybe, Maybe God is breaking your heart about something today and he's calling you into action. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what the plan is for you. But it's not going to be something that you can do on your own. It's not going to be something that you're going to feel safe about. Like, oh, you know, let's just leave the country and start a family when I'm 75. That doesn't seem possible. It's because it wasn't possible without God. And you're going to get impatient. And you're going to be afraid. And there's going to be things like, famines that come in your life, I promise they're coming. And I want you to have a plan for that, to kind of protect yourself against the the fear and the unbelief, the impatience, and ultimately the sin that all pops up in all of our lives. Because the enemy is trying to use your fear and your unbelief and your impatience your sinful nature. He's trying to use it to derail God's plan in your life. And I hope that this story of Abraham and Sarah will strengthen you and and help you to be bold and step into those God-sized dreams with confidence and with purpose. Because he began the story. He began the story in you. And he's going to be faithful to complete it. And I want to tell you a story about my God-sized dream. It has nothing to do with the trailer. <laughs> but there was this God-sized dream that was put in my heart. about five years ago, four years ago, five years ago actually in, in October. I remember this night like it was yesterday. I was holding my, my little boy Preston because Ethan was sick on Halloween night. And I don't know if, you all know this neighborhood again. Never went y'all again. Um, but Olive is where I live. I live on Olive Street, right down the street. And on Halloween night, we close down. They close down Olive Avenue, and me basically throw a big party. Whole street is shut off. Trick or treaters everywhere. If you do live on that street and you decide to give out candy, it's like two, I don't know what you guys used do last year. Twenty-five hundred pieces of candy go away in two hours. It's like just a load of kids, and you just are like, buff, 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 buff. but that night we didn't hand out candy because because we had we had a sick kid, and uh, so I took Preston out. And um, in my in our neighborhood, we uh, I, the Catholic Church um, Sacred Heart is right down the, right across the street from our house. And on Halloween night, they they go out onto the front porch of the of the church and pl- play worship music. And uh, that night, um, you know, we were listening to the worship music. And I had Preston in my arms. And, um, you know, I was probably sitting there listening to worship music with the people in Avengers costumes and stuff. And i um, would and never forget this. Because they began to sing a song by Chris Tomlin. And, and we don't sing it here. You guys might not even know it. But it's called, You're the God of the City. And at the time, I, we were... Attending church I was I was I was playing music and I was really comfortable at a church in Riverside. But I lived in Redlands and when they began to sing that song, you're the God of the city. You're the king of all these people on the street. You you are. And greater things are yet to come. And greater things are still to be done in this city. And I saw all these people, and God put this burden in my heart that there needs to be a community of believers in this city that changes Redlands, that changes the world. And I had no idea what that looked like, because I was comfortable where I was. I didn't need to do anything different. I had tears streaming down my face because I knew this was a God-sized dream that I was called to. I believed that that church, that that movement would be known for the way that they radically loved my community of rebels, And that it would be so compelling that it would change the way that church was seen in reverence. And again, I just didn't know what it looked like so I mean I went around we visited a few churches it didn't feel like you know a God a God thing but six months later out of weird circumstances that just still baffle me um, God led us right here and you guys this room these people in this room are part of my God's life stream and I'm still in the middle of it and I don't know where it's headed we don't know where it's headed but I'm so excited that you're all here with me that you're part of it with me and through all of the journey of this last several years through this God sized dream I've had my share of fear of unbelief of impatience and, and sin I've done it all I've kind of made all these mistakes. But I know that God has put this dream in my heart to see this movement of radical love spread throughout Redlands and to the ends of the earth. That we would connect with our community. That we would grow together in faith. That we would serve Jesus here and to the ends of the earth. And that's That's what God put in my heart. This place is truly a dream come true for me. And I'm just so thankful to share it with all of you. So let's continue to make this dream a reality. Let's continue to build this community of believers. Let's continue to spread this radical love throughout this community because I know that God has put it in many of our hearts to do that so as the ushers come today and the worship team comes up I want you all to close your eyes and bow your heads and and just imagine just ask God for what is it that's breaking your heart what is it that's burdening your heart so much that, that you know that God is calling you to take action in that area of your life. Some of you may already know what that is. Some of you may need to start asking God, what is it that you have in store for me, God? Jesus, we thank you so much. For having the grace to accept us as we are, whether we struggle with our faith, whether we struggle with fear, whether we struggle with impatience or sin, God. We just thank you so much for having a plan for us. And includes includes Savior of the world, And God, I know that in this room, there's so many people who want to serve you, who have a burden in their heart to make a God-sized dream a reality. And God, we just ask that you would anoint those dreams, that you would inhabit those dreams, that you would... that you would help us to to foster those into reality. And that when the storms come, when the trials come, when the famine comes, God, that that we would turn to you, that we would remember that it's your plan, not ours. That we wouldn't idolize the plan. We would worship the one who put the plan in us. God, as we bring our tithes and our offerings to to you, help us to remember that it's it's all yours. That, that that everything that's that's ours is really not ours; it's yours. And that we would just bring it back to you, so that we could together as a church begin to bless those around us, that we can begin to bless the city of Redlands, that we can begin to reach the lost, the hurting, those in pain, beyond these walls. God, we ask all of these things in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.